Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is another episode of the Dynasty Dawn. You already know what it is. I am here today with the incomparable at Munder Difflin FF, Scott Rainier. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. It's so excited to have you on we've got an incredible list of guests over the next couple of weeks and you were like my one one um oh. before the draft so we're gonna get in some pre-draft predictions some hot takes some real spicy rookie takes if we get that far um bold predictions some historic draft data as we were kind of cooking up off mic beforehand but before we get into any of that let's drop that intro Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. You already know, I'm so happy to have you here today. This guy is one of my favorite people in the industry, both from a content perspective and a personal perspective. He's a fantasy football content creator at IBT Media, at Fantasy Data NFL, um, a Fantasy Sports Writer Association member, and congratulations on this, by the way, a 2022 Fantasy Sports Writer Association nominee for Best Fantasy Football Article Series of the Year. Was certainly well-deserved. Um yeah, again, incomparable. One of the best minds in the industry. So happy to have you here today, man. Oh, thanks, man. You're, you're too kind. You're. I remember at the expo last year, you were one of the first guys I wanted to, fi- you know, finally meet in person. Um, yeah, for sure. I was not. I was not disappointed. Uh, so. <laughs> Likewise. Are you going Likewise. again this year? I wish I could. I've got some okay. life things in the way. I might be moving yeah. back to the East Coast. So like a little bit at that time. Yeah. So that's a thing that's going to happen. Um, Kind of <laughs> some some personal news for the fans. But yeah, so I really wanted to go. I think me and the partner lady friend are going to do a little bit of a mini vacay and then essentially move our entire life from coast to coast um so that'll be taken up most of my august yeah <laughs> needless to say which i mean yeah, for well, those listening you know the expo is absolutely phenomenal time so many cool people obviously like-minded individuals um and yeah get to meet some of the best personalities in the industry again the ibt crew amongst the greatest and likewise was not disappointed when we finally got to hang out i gotta yeah, ask but you, I mean, though, this is this is next best thing i guess you know, yeah. <laughs> a lot of us, like for me, I joined this thing during the pandemic, threw my hat in the ring and like, you know, social media has its obvious pitfalls, but I've actually had a pretty positive experience as far as meeting people such as yourself and for a really long time communicating via typing words, but then, you know, eventually going on shows, at least being face to face in this, in this format. Um, so yeah, it's good to see you again. Yeah, it, it it me too. It took a while for me to even get confident enough to be behind the mic. But now that I am like, I mean, we were kind of saying it off air. It's like, this is just like hanging out. You know, we're just hanging out, talking football, talking data. Both of us, you know, kind of analytic minds. We're going to get into some stats today, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm, we're going to get it started off pretty hot. But before I, we get into it, and I know I could take all day and talk about just how much I enjoy your presence. Um, but one of the things that first attracted me to you on social media, obviously your handle, my favorite show of all time, regardless of genre, the office series, American and British, but because there's more of it, obviously going to lean to the American side. Don't hate me for the OGs out there. 
you got to tell me what your favorite moment, gif, line, anything. Hit me with your favorite office <sighs> media. I think probably my favorite gif, and only because I actually reenacted it with my wife. Um, it's the scene, I don't remember the exact episode, but it's the scene where Jim and Dwight are in charge of planning Kelly's birthday. <laughs> and it's the scene where he questions Dwight, like, it is your birthday period? And you look up and there's just like a dot matrix printed out, it is your birthday period. <laughs> with like balloons blown up about 25%, they're brown and gray. So I just, that, that whole episode, their dynamic together, that whole episode was just completely memorable. So it was, I don't know, it was about eight years ago or something. My wife was at work where she wasn't here and it was her birthday and she came home. I still have a picture. I need to dig it up. She came home. I had hung balloons that were like barely blown up <laughs> and I had printed out, it is your birthday period and put it up on the wall. So we had, we had a good time. Amazing. That's probably my favorite gift just because I like to, I like to send that one out on people's birthdays. And you got uh, a little personal touch to it too. That's... Yeah. And then favorite episode is tough. I really like the episode where Dwight gets the concussion when he hits the car. It's yes. the, um, the injury where Mike, Michael steps on the George Foreman grill. That episode to me, it's a little cringy. Mike, Michael in that episode is a little cringy, but I, that's always an episode when it comes on. I'm like, yes. Yeah. That, and that's with one Mike's of those. Whole dynamic when he's concussed with, with Pam. Um, they're talking about downloading songs from some Russian website, which I did because I'm old enough to have, to have done that. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, saying. where you could get a song, you individual songs for eight cents, and it was this big, huge deal. Um, so that's it. But I mean, man, it's tough. It's tough to pick a favorite episode. Uh, yeah, I really like series. the uh, I really like the injury episode as well, and I, I think that's one of those episodes that kind of embodies the entire beauty of the office because it's got all that heartwarming kind of heart wrenching of Dwight. Like, you know, that's the really the first episode that it's solidified that it's like, no, Pam, like you're my best friend, and and yeah, I mean, like you know, like I thought this was, you know, and you kind of always have this like is he the protagonist in a comedy type of feel? And, and then that kind of breaks that fourth wall, so to speak of saying like, we're really a family here. And, and that's kind of that entire embodiment. Yeah, why I would say so. Them. Yeah. I mean, the jokes, you know, where, where are you, where do you like your sh sh uh, foot shipped? Because you know, <laughs> like he comes in bubble wrap. Just, it's just classic. So many good classic stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah, so glad. I I mean, got like, the, it's so funny because early on on Twitter, that was kind of the deal. Like a lot of people were like, Oh, Hey, I noticed your handle. And I was like, that wasn't necessarily intentional. Yeah. This has been like my, my login username, whatever you want to call it. Since like the early days of like ESPN chat rooms, back when go to ask yeah. questions about start sit was like these chat rooms on the ESPN fantasy website. And I had to create a, and it, it's been Munder Difflin since like 2006. So, and it was like, at that time, it was a split second decision. Like I'd never, I never thought it would like stick. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it stuck for so long that I, so when I see Dunder Mifflin the other way, I'm like, is that right? Yeah, me too. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the right one. You know? <laughs> no, for sure. Like it's, it's become, and especially because, you know, we interact and we're closer friends, like it's become such an embodiment of who you are that I always question it, even like in the show and on memorabilia. Now I'm like, wait, <laughs> I'm like, is that something's off here? And then I always know. Remember well, Scott. I just ran with it because that's my whole thing on Twitter and just here, you know, like 
obviously it's kind of weird. It's probably a little unique in that I can get so, so far into the analytical numbers where I'm lost, but then I can on a dime be joking. You know what I mean? Just like, yep. you know, so um, I had, I had a, I was going to say something there and then I forgot. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think your point was made. It. Yeah, no, you've I definitely got it. that. You've definitely got that uh, polarization about you for sure. Um, and I mean, speaking of polarization, maybe a, a poor segue, but like we're here. we're a few days away. Like it's it's the NFL draft. Yeah. All of the most polarizing players have been talked about, weighed, measured quite literally their values as well. We are mere days away. And by the time that this gets released, it'll be probably two days away, quite literally. So your reactions. Yeah immediate thoughts last chance to say it how are you feeling about this class in general and do you have any disappointment so to speak leading up to the nfl draft um i'm pretty excited to be honest i mean i'm no i'm not no i know never claim to be any kind of draft expert like you know when i feel when i field questions or, or discuss you know potential landing spots or or projected landing spots, not like fantasy relevant landing spots, but just projected landing spots. And we'll start talking about offensive tackles and safeties. I'm relying a lot on other people out there that do, you know, basically do this for a living. I rely a lot on mock drafts. I look at a lot of mocks and I kind of average all the stuff together. Um, But from what I do know, after this will be my third year, really third year, really focusing and, and, and digging into the draft before it happens. Um, it's a pretty exciting class in my opinion. Uh, part of that I think is just due to last year was such a disappointment with quarterbacks and quarterbacks, you know, especially in super flex formats, they make the world go around in fantasy football. So, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of probably pretty cool to the old school, the, the vets of football to see like a lot of defense in that first round last yeah. year. Um, and there's still going to be a fair amount of defense this year. Um, but I'm excited, you know, for the top few, few quarterbacks to have a few a few quarterbacks who will likely go first round we'll likely see next year um and we won't have to go down the rabbit hole with them about the hit rates for third and fourth round quarterbacks all offseason right. you know what i mean because yeah. you know the ones that deserve it will likely go in the first however a little side note i ever like for the last couple of years now i've wanted to it's this little side pet project of mine that i think would be really fun to make a fantasy football calendar like a year-long calendar but you know more of a spoofy thing, making fun of ourselves type of thing. You know what I mean? Where, you know, there'll be a, there'll be a section. It's like, here's, you know, from February to March 15th, it's analytics versus film arguments. And like (laughs) this, you know what I mean? It's veterans are in the best shape of their life. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. It's quad season when training camp starts. Yeah. Um, But what I want to do is, you know, this time of year is like draft prep. And then when the draft hits, it's the day we all find out we don't know anything. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I, I just for fun looked at it a little while back. Like last year, I really dug into like mock draft stuff. And I just looked across, I tracked all these mock drafts last year and just made this whole thing about like, who is the most likely based on that to go here, 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 and here. And I decided after the draft happened, I was like, I want to look back and see how many, how many of these mock drafters get right. In, you know, in a large sample size, not very many. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and they're not expected to, you know, it's more about, does you get the round right more than the exact pick, right? Right. But 
the NFL draft, I think every year just surprises all of us with some of the things that happen. So I mean, I'm expecting that. I'm expecting some, some big surprises. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited that my team, the Seahawks, has a fifth pick and a 20th pick. It's been a while. It's been a while since they've picked that. That's some serious draft capital for the Seahawks. I don't think Snyder and Carroll have ever picked as high as five. I think they. No, I think I think you're right. I think this might be their highest pick. I think their first year, I think they took Russell Okung at six, or at least, or the year before they took over. But they haven't had a fifth, and man, that top five right now, you know, well, really the whole top ten. It's a mm-hmm. lot of opportunity for trades and quarterback needs. Absolutely, which quarterback's going to fall, and and you're going to see it. You're going to see yeah. a lot of movement, I think, within that first top 10 and and kind of retroceding back to speak to or piggyback on what you were speaking on is scouting and NFL scouting is fantasy scouting as well, even more so. But it's a billion dollar business of missing. Like that, That's one of the kind of idioms I've been using throughout the draft process episodes. It, it's a billion dollar business of missing. These guys are the best in the world at it and have been for decades and are not very good at it <laughs> when you're talking about like just a historical perspective of, of hit rates and how many times a Mitch Trubisky goes ahead of a Patrick Mahomes or a Deshaun Watt. Yeah, it, it's just, it happens all of the time, but that, that also, you know, almost from an economics perspective, just talks to cost equivalency. Like taking a bet on a quarterback is always a good idea because you're never going to get that chance in that windows whether it's third 10th 15th like whatever you know you have to spend premium on them so when you have those premium picks and sometimes you got to trade up for them it's a good idea it's just really nobody knows anything when it comes to what's between a player's ears and their dedication to be great and like the Jalen Hurts of the world who are literally like I don't want a guaranteed contract because I want to be motivated every day to win a championship that's where my bonuses are going to come from like that type of mentality is like you can't doesn't matter how well they do in interviews those things are what you call intangible and it's obviously Mm -hmm. what truly makes a good prospect into a great NFL football player and specifically the quarterback it's leadership and, and you know, so much of it is off the field and locker room stuff as well. Like having your teammate trust in you so that you can make, or when you do make bad decisions, they're still there the next play giving that hundred percent effort. And those are just things from a football mind perspective that even as an analytic analyst, I can never take those things into consideration. And that's why I'm going to have misses and we're all going to have misses and the NFL draft is going to have misses. But I think there's a certain mentality that comes into play during draft season, especially in dynasty drafts where it's like, I have to be right on every prospect. And I think that's a misnomer. I don't think you have to be right on every prospect, but you have to mitigate your risk and just Mm -hmm. be right on the prospects that you invest in, so to speak. Yeah, no, I mean, I would agree. And I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you've got a whole group of people, you and me included, that do a lot of our analysis of, you know, the NFL draft, but we, you know, games week to week, players, everything, largely from a fantasy football angle. And then you obviously have a lot of people out there doing it from a real NFL football angle. Um, and the thing is, is like, you know, and, and there's a little bit of a battle there. You see it on Twitter. You see comments like, oh, stick to fantasy or, like, you know, you know, which I, I love that like you're that, putting but... quotations because it is honestly like production. It's similar to the, to the argument film versus analytics. It's 100%. like, yeah, it's like you need both. 
And I, you know, and that's a pretty cliched answer to the question. Of course, you need both. Um, but just because you need both, it doesn't it doesn't take away from the people that are only doing analytics or only doing film. And I just think, especially now, I mean, like fantasy football is not going anywhere, especially with the with the betting aspect of it, um, and how much money comes from fantasy football. And so, you know, it, it's I just I think there is there's there's a there's a benefit to listening to folks like us, but not as your not when it comes to the NFL draft, but not as your only source of information. You know, I mean, it it helps to have more the more angles people are coming from to look at this, the better. You know, and personally, I'd love to do, I'd love to be a film junkie and do all this analytics, but there are only 24 hours in the day. Yeah. Um, and I don't have time to do that. So I, I choose to do what I enjoy. I'd largely stay out of the arguments about the two. Like, cause I, I know what I think. It's like, I think both are very important. Um, I'm going to yeah. contribute to this one Yeah. because <laughs> that's what I like to do and that's what I have time for. So, um, but yeah, the, the draft is, a, it's a pretty, you know, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a pretty special thing. Like it, um, as far as, as far as just the more general sports bringing people together, like our community, the fantasy community, just the NFL community. Yes, we argue about takes all day long, but man, you know, we're months away from the last season and the start of the next season, but right. we are immersed in it because of this draft. Yeah, yes. um, and I also just, I have to remind myself, like when Trevor Lawrence takes his helmet off, like I'm no longer the same age as these people. Like, <laughs> they're young kids now. You know what I mean? Because they're in helmets. I've been watching people in helmets since I was young. So it's easy to just think we're all the same. But like these are young kids and a lot of them are fulfilling a lifelong dream, yep. um, whether that's just to get to the NFL or be a star. And I like to see that too. That's just me too. It's as, cool as a fan, people succeed at things, you know? Exactly. As a fan, that's one of my favorite things as well, is generally just seeing players that I like fulfill that lifelong dream. And with something that you said in mind, too, like, why don't we touch on a few of those processes and those analytics and and the, the kind of our favorite sources of things that lead us to this exact date? Um, for example, I've kind of touched on it on the pod a few times, so I'll bring up one of my favorite things for receivers is not necessarily receiving yards per team pass attempt, which can lead to a positive analytic profile when they hit above that two and a half yard in best season threshold. But what I really like, and it correlates to a higher points per game in the NFL. Like I've tracked it back for 14 years now and I'm don't have quite enough time to go further. I will do so, but it correlates to a higher point per game and that's receiving yards per team offensive play or per team attempt. However you want to write it out in your or anagram. Um, and what that does is over per team pass attempt tells you that not only is this receiver dominating the passing game specifically, he's dominating the entire offense. So they're not handing the ball off to a running back that's going to see seventh round potentially undrafted not be in the NFL capital because this receiver is that much of a talent that they've literally catered their system into opening up more touches for him. Things like that kind of are an analytic that I find do almost what you were saying that that analytic adds that nuance that you get from film where it's removing that is it just a market share of the offensive game not just a market share of the total offensive yards but you know per team like how often is this player on the field really contributing to every play and that's why yeah. that's one of those I, I agree. That's, I really like. that's one of my favorite i actually like i have a rookie database that i've been building since you know for a while um, and I realized that column was missing the best season 
I just I just say yards per team play. I just, I just go with yards per team Perfect. play. But it's 10 yeah. yards. Um, and yeah, you're right because it's you know I think if you're explaining that someone to someone who doesn't necessarily live in analytics, you know, a response might be. Well, how often are any of these receivers rushing the ball anyway? Blah, blah, blah. And it's true. Like, it, it, I don't really heavily invest anything in how much a wide receiver, other than like, oh, hey, that guy got a bunch of carries. They like to give him the ball. Other than that type of quantitative, qualitative type thing, you know, I, I can see the response going there. But it's not, it's not what it's about. It's about it, it, it gets to the decision making of that team's offense. Um, if 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 a receiver's yards per team play as a per as opposed to just within the passing game, uh, I mean, like you said, receiving yards per team pass 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 attempt is a valuable metric. Um, but you know, like it's so it's I, I I feel like I say this in every single article I ever write just because I just can't you know none of these by themselves none of these metrics that you you might hear coming especially during draft season in and of themselves are the, the whole story. You know what I mean? Right. Like, You've got to bring more into it. Do you know off the top of your head, by the way, who who led who has the highest um, yards per team play? Is it Marvin Mims? Uh, hold on one second. Best season, best season, best season. Best. Where did it go? It was right here. I'm almost positive it's Marvin Mims. Best yards for hold on. Let me turn off my dumb. <laughs> hold on. There they go. I have it as JSN. Oh, Jackson still best yards per team play at one point seven six. So anyway, special. But yeah, I I very much look at yards per team play. I look at uh, receiving yards per team pass attempt, yards per route run. I like targets per route run as well. Um, you got to be careful with targets per route run because you know they're like what, what is the tight end this year? I think it's Darnell Washington. That mm -hmm. if you look at his targets per route run, it's it's very, it's solid. It's well because they average. only asked him to run a route when they designed it's, a play to yeah, him. It's, it's when he's running routes. Yeah, they're throwing it to him, but he's not running as many routes. So that's exactly, and that's a pretty, that's a, that's a fairly sim simplistic one. But I mean, that's that's exactly it right there. Like if you were just looking at targets per route run, you know, you know, there's there's value in it. There's value in targets per route run. You know, especially when you compare all these things we're talking to to just things like yards per reception or touchdowns you know what i mean right um but you got you know there's just and that's the thing that's what happens that my a lot of my process as far as like when i'm building spreadsheets and writing articles i do not sit down with um, a nice outline of all the things i want to cover and hit them one by one and go i come up with an idea um and i kind of just start writing about it and then i see where I honestly see where it takes me. Like I recently wrote an article for fantasy data. I was curious about, you know, the common, the common thought like, oh, Dalton Schultz is going to Houston and they're likely going to have a rookie QB, rookie QB, deer in the headlights, best friends, the tight end. That's good for Dalton Schultz. It's like, that makes logical sense. But is that true? Is right. that what these numbers actually say? So I went back real far and it was a much bigger rabbit hole than I was planning to get into. Um, <laughs> Those are but I best. just looked at, you know, rookie quarterbacks and how the tight ends did with those rookie quarterbacks back to like 2008, I think I went. Um, and then how a, a tight end who is new to the team, the same year the rookie takes over, how they have done. 
Um, and what was funny about that study is I was looking at it from a lot of different angles. And for the most part, until I got to the very end, all the data was pointing to it was a slightly, it was a slight bump. Tight ends did a little bit better compared to the previous season with the rookie. But then I got to a specific statistic and it was not the case. Right. You know, it was when you looked at like, you know, because I was just looking at all tight ends that have been with rookies and I just looked at, you know, everybody. But if you just broke it down to the top 12, I think, top 12 or top 15 tight ends that have been in those scenarios, those guys, the guys we care about, the guys we're going to start in our lineups, they have not over time shown, a, a, you know, any kind of bump fantasy-wise with a rookie. Right. But, like, that's the thing. Is like, and I read back my article and I was like, man, reading this back, I totally – my tone the whole way is like, yeah, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And then I got to the very end. I was like, the answer is no. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's, that's where this stuff takes me, but I love it. You know? Well, that you kind of hit on one of the most important points with analytics at the, at the top of that is I think it, no one metric or analytic really tells the whole story, but it helps you narrow the tunnel and it helps you paint a better picture on how these players are going to do from a year to year perspective. And of course, being dynasty players as we are, that's what's important. It's, it is obviously redraft has a play into it and it will redraft will always be the mother that bursts the dynasty births the dynasty market, right? When players produce in season, they become really valuable redraft assets and then increase their dynasty value. It's a pretty simple give and take. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, what analytics do and these studies do, like these rabbit holes that you and I go down, and it helps us kind of narrow that window on players. Um, it doesn't paint the picture fully, but it leaves us with just a few bushes and a bird, you know, with just the finishing touches left, which obviously is then left up to variance on field play. A lot of those intangibles that we spoke about that we can't really calculate. Um, and so with that, like with our process is kind of laid out in, in that narrowing of the tunnel, who do you think in this draft is going to be a surprise riser, somebody that you feel really ecstatic about if they were to increase their rookie profiles and kind of narrow that analytic profile with increased draft capital or even conversely with poor draft capital. So one guy, one guy that we've been, we've been talking about for a while at, at IBT in between media um, who, and I mean, you know, I'm not a Debbie guy either. So I really, I start looking at these rookies, you know, I started looking at these rookies a couple months ago. I knew, I knew the big ones, you know what I mean? But like, I didn't know anything. I, I had not gone in depth on any of these rookies. So um, much like I'm not a draft expert, you know, I, I'm well aware when Are it comes sure? to now, <laughs> there very much could be stuff I'm missing. You know what I mean? Like, but there is a guy who athletically and across a lot of the metrics um, is very high. And that's Chase Brown, running back Chase Brown. Um, I was looking at some mocks, some seven round mocks yesterday, and he was – Day three, he was a day three guy in most of the mocks I've looked at. Um, I'm not saying I think Chase Brown should be day one, you know, necessarily. But he is one guy, and I said this a few weeks ago, He there's a there's a handful of guys where they – it seems analytically they're ready to burst. Yeah. But, and it, it, it's all going to depend on that draft capital. Yeah. Uh, and not in a vacuum. It's not like, oh, draft capital, so he's good. It's like there's a lot that goes into draft capital. That's the thing is I think some people don't realize, like, J.J. Zacharyson, late round QB, talks about this a lot. Like, the things that he doesn't necessarily talk about in his rookie, in his prospect guides, 
because they're already baked into that draft capital. The right. NFL is telling us something with the draft capital. You know what I mean? So with Chase Brown, if he were to if he were to sneak into the third round, um, I you know I don't know how likely that is, but I mean the dude is a freak. Um, he has three down capabilities. You know he was his he had a, athletically tests very high. Um, you know the best season you know, things like best season tar- touchdown share and rushing attempt share and those types of things. He was the guy. So he's a guy I'm, I'm watching closely. I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping he gets the draft capital. Um, you know, and if he does, let's just say he does the people that have already done their rookie drafts and gotten him in the third or fourth round of their rookie drafts, if, if that's what's been happening, are going to love it. Um, so that's one guy. Um, I agree. Another guy, I haven't I haven't dove as deep with this guy and he seems to be climbing a little bit and it's Cincinnati, uh well now former Cincinnati wide receiver Tyler Scott. There's been a he's lot a, of buzz around Tyler Scott. Yeah, as well. he's starting to get the buzz now. Um but he was a name I saw about a month ago. I can't remember if it was Ray GQ. I was, you know, this is what I'm talking about. I listened to people like JJ Zacharyson and Ray GQ, you know, um Kev, you know, um Kevin with football guys. I just totally spaced on his last name. Kevin so Coleman. Yeah, what's that? Kevin Coleman? No, oh, Du Bois at Du Bois. Du Bois, yeah. Yeah, is yeah. that okay? <laughs> that's my guy. Yeah, no, he's great. Anyway, um, but that's the thing, and I'm and that's the other thing too. You gotta, you know, about when you're doing this type of analysis, you know, a lot of the one of the common pieces of advice you get, you see them, and I've seen I've seen a few threads recently, and it's, I, I like seeing them. People giving advice to, hey, if you're just starting out. You know, one of them is you can't try and do it all. You can't try and do everything or else you're going to burn out. You just can't. So, but you also, you just have to be willing to be like, hey, I'm willing to give you advice on rookies and drafts and stuff like that. And I'm also willing to tell you that I get a lot of my information from these other guys who do it a lot more. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's, that's but there's absolutely. Nothing wrong there's nothing Self-awareness wrong Self-awareness is important, it's man. This, there's this obsession with like, it has to be, it has to be your original thought. It's like, no, no, we're all. I said it like I put out a YouTube video, November of 2020. When I first said, "Hey, at Twitter, I'm here," and I gave a little spiel about what you know what my definition of analysis was, and it holds true today. It's like there's this giant pool of data out there. Some of it's more accessible than others, but it's out there and it's available for the most part for for most people. It's picking how to organize it. You know, it's picking what data to organize, what to put what columns to put next to each other. And it's then choosing how to present that data and how to combine it in a way that tells a story. That's in a nutshell what it is. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of aspects from that that are going to come from all the other people that have done it before. So anyway, I feel like I'm spending a lot of time like <laughs> saying, Dude. if no. I did something wrong, it's because I'm not actually an expert in that. It's not what I'm, <laughs> no, trying, no. To, not what I'm but, trying to do. That's I, well, I mean, that was kind of the whole point of, of, you know, this process and this episode in these pre-draft predictions is, is I, I always want to be transparent with the process as much as possible. Right. And, and when when looking at specifically like these kind of sleeper prospects or, or these later round guys that need a bit of that draft capital bump to round out their profile, there's a lot of really great. Devi resources and, and guys that do this work really early. And of course I, I pull from that and, and, you know, guys like at Du Bois 2022 or 22, who is a 
hardcore film grinder of college football and has an also logical and, and analytic mind. And it's, there's great places and, and obviously, you know, come to us, Brodo fantasy, like the player comps and, and Casanova with his incredible algorithms and in his data pages and our exclusive analytics and data. Like these are all great points to pull from. And I'm going to like touch on it just a little bit further. Like, I think it's a really running back heavy draft class. So kind of one of those reasons why it's important to pull as much information from as many sources as possible is again, as you said, there's only so many hours in the day, man, this is a really deep class when it comes to running back prospects specifically. And a lot of guys are going to insulate their profile or increase their value significantly with draft capital. But with that said, I almost think it's like, like there's, um, a supply and demand issue that may happen with these positive profiles that we like. Like I really like a Rakeem Jarrett, a tank Dell who have some noticeable red flags, but really positive analytic profiles, obviously a tank Bigsby. Should he get second round draft capital, even high day um, or high third round draft capital rather would solidify what is an incredibly promising profile from the sec. But with it being such a running back heavy draft class and you were, you know, anticipating some positive profiles being rounded out with that second round, maybe third round draft capital. Is it becoming now that it's like the fourth round is the new third round where you're going to see very few positive hits in round three? Round two is always going to be the running back round one, right? You're going to see a lot fewer shots taken on these round three running backs because you can kind of just wait around to that round four and get your Tyler Algiers, get your Damian Pierce's, get your Izzy Abacondas this year, get your, you know, potentially your Chase Browns, your all of these players that have almost equal positive upside, but cost a round less. And it's a theory and strategy that we've used in dynasty several times. So like with that in mind, a running back potentially for you, like a bold take, maybe who do you think is going to be a big faller or who do you think is going to be maybe that fourth round running back that is really a day three, day two guy um, or round three, round two guy, but gets pushed to that fourth round just because of the way that the market is reacting. Um, Let's see. Let me I'll just take a little, take a little look. See here. Um, well, I want to talk, first. First, I want to talk about a guy that I he's been he's been a little bit polarizing, and I see it more as I think he's going to go higher than where I've seen him, and that's a cane, Devin a cane. Um, okay. And I think you know, and the reason, and this will be a this will be a timeless debate till the end of time, is his size as a running back and the historical success of running backs at his size um you know it's the same with deuce vaughn except deuce vaughn also had a terrible combine and you know so there's there's other red flags there but with the cane uh one spot one a couple different teams i've seen that i think would be super interesting for him to go to and then you just have to start looking at when those teams draft one of them is the saints um and you know i don't think he'd go i don't think he'd quite go it'd be pretty bold i think to to have a cane going as high as pick 40 to the saints right at the start of the second round. Um, but I, I just, I don't think Kamara is going to play much this year. You know, I just don't see how that's, I, I mean, I think his number, his days in new Orleans are numbered. Well, yeah. And I mean, just with the, with the looming suspension. Um, and I think of a guy like a cane who he, you know, he's small, but he did show he's able to run between the tackles, but if he went to new Orleans, you know, they've got one of the 
best football players in the history of the world, Jamal Williams, toting the rock now. Um, you know, and a king could step in and be, not be Kamara, but be in a similar role as Kamara. So I think that would be a good landing spot. And the other one, the other interesting landing spot I read for a king would be to the Broncos because Sean Payton's at the helm there now. Yeah. Um, and bring him in and do, do, you know, we don't know, we don't know exactly when Javante Williams is going to be fully healthy. I hope it's Not soon. soon. I, have, I have a lot of shares and I really like him. Um, I, he was one of the side note. He was one of those guys that I, I bought the dip when he was injured wherever I could. I kind of put some eggs, you know, put some chips in the pot or, uh, with him. Um, and we'll see. But anyway, so, you know, and I mean, that's the, the, Kane's not too much of a, he, he's not a, a bold take. There's plenty of people out there that have had him in the, their top five. Um, but I don't know, you know, as far as him going early round two, mid round two, that's, I, I'd say that's probably a little bold. That I, I don't think that's super likely. Someone like I would love to see it. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. that that's what this show is about, man. I want the bold stuff. I want the bold stuff. And I I'm, um, I think a Peyton fit is perfect for a guy like a Kane. I think another perfect fit that, again, it's I think it's 52 or 54, which would be pretty high capital. But Mike McDaniel in Miami with yeah, a guy no, like Devin Kane speed. Yeah. I mean, but for me, I want to see them use that capital and move up and get Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now Jameer Gibbs, I'm on the Jameer Gibbs train to to um, you know, he, you know, and I mean like his his like, you know, there's always wild stuff that happens the dra during draft week. Wild predictions. People just start throwing stuff at the walls. Some of it is probably based in reality, some of it not. But you know, this whole Jamar Jameer Gibbs is is gonna be taken ahead of B. John Robinson in the draft. Again, we don't we don't know what the NFL's gonna do, but I don't think that's gonna happen. No. So I mean his his crazy like predictions have gone in a positive direction but you know with Gibbs yeah um I think he's you know I think there's going to be two running backs selected in the first round agreed no more than two um agreed. I can't see more than two going to um but I think Gibbs will be selected near the end of the first round I think he's a first rounder and that kind of yeah. brings me to like my next little bit um favorite landing spots Bijan Gibbs JSN Hit me with your favorite landing spots. I can see the trust sheet, so I'm helping with these transitions. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, Bijan, I looked at probably the most just because, again, I'm a fantasy guy and like I'm very excited for Bijan Robinson. I was this close to pulling the trigger on a trade a couple weeks ago to land the 101. I was probably overpaying for it. It was sitting there and I okay. almost had that moment of just like accept, but I, I held back. Um, it was a little too much. It was a little too much. So anyway, um, I think there's multiple landings, you know, multiple landing spots I would, I would like to see. Um, and I'll kind of go through it, maybe like move through the first round, the teams that are potentially going to take him and whether I like that landing spot or not. Um, I mean, the first team that God bless him, my friend Hoove, um, he has planted his flag at Hoove tube on Twitter he has planted his flag and Bijan is going eight overall to the Falcons. He is, he, is I, he might be right. Betting his firstborn when that firstborn happens on it. Um, no, he made, he made a really funny bet with Herms with our, with our buddy Herms uh, about that. But anyway, um, and I mean, if he, if he, if he did go to the Falcons, that would be, I think a, a somewhat ideal landing spot. I mean, they run, 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 run. Um, Tyler Algier would still be involved. But mm -hmm. for as good as Bijan is, 
I don't think he's going to go anywhere and have a 100%, you know, running back rush share. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. Like, you know, you don't want to do that to a rookie. So as far as looking at landing spots where I'm not as concerned about the exist, you know, the, the incumbents, I think, I think Atlanta would be a great fit. Um, you know, the Atlanta's been making some moves largely on defense so far this off season, but they've been, you know, sometimes there's some teams out there that like with some of the decisions they make, you wonder, or do you guys you care about winning? Like, <laughs> does this franchise actually want to compete? You know what I mean? They certainly um, do. Yeah. But Atlanta does. Um, you know, they've they've got a mountain to climb. They're gonna they're gonna tr- put their trust in Desmond Ritter for now. I still don't think I brought this up a few days ago. Again, I don't know how likely it is, but I don't know. I'm not sure why they haven't at least been discussed in that group of teams that would potentially make a move for one of these QBs, especially um, at, at eight. Yeah, I mean, I get it, and I've been, you know, people have shown me things that people have said about how the, all the talk around Desmond Ritter, and that's great. I'm rooting for Desmond Ritter. I'm rooting for him and Sam Howell and all the quarterbacks who fell last year. You know what I mean? Like, I'm it would be great to just to see all of them break every hit rate model. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but so Atlanta, I think is a, it's probably not my favorite landing spot for Bijan, but I think it's a better than average landing spot. The next one on the list is, you know. Much rumored Philadelphia. Philly. That's um, my spot. Yeah, I mean, that is a good spot. That's a great spot. I mean, obviously, it's one of the best offenses in the leagues in the league. I think Very it's good actually a line. bad spot um, for him. What's that? I think it's actually a bad spot for him a little bit. Like, I, I think with Jalen Hurts rushing as much as he did well, that, and that's completely nuking Miles Sanders' receiving value as well. That's what I, that's what I was going to get to is like, on paper, upon first glance, the Eagles were just like, oh, yeah, smash for the best running back prospects and Sa- Saquon Barkley may be better than Dark Barkley. Yeah, but it's, you're right. Um, I haven't done it yet, but one little thing I'm going to do soon is just look up when when a team's quarterback rushes for a certain amount of touchdowns. And again, we're getting, you know, it's touchdowns, so it's not really in the weeds. But when that happens, you know, what's the highest of that team's running back has finished? you know, in the, in the top 12, top 24, all that kind of stuff, because no matter how you, no matter how you slice it, even if you say, well, you know, they, they'll want to stop Jalen hurts from rushing the, for so many touchdowns, keep him healthy. It's like, that's, that's, that's smart, but it's Jalen hurts. He's still going to rush for some touchdowns. And if we're, if we're only looking at it from a, what is the best landing spot, you know, right. for him in fantasy football, I don't think Philadelphia is the best landing spot. Um, I'm not gonna, I was a Rashad Penny truther for quite some time. I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, I look, I kind of view Rashad Penny as a little bit similarly to Tyler Algier. It's somebody that's there that's going to get work and it's going to provide depth, but it wouldn't be Rashad Penny that's going to, that's going to dampen Bajan Robinson's fantasy value, in my opinion, it would be Jalen Hurts. Agreed. Um, so the next one that I kind of like, and this would kind of depend, is the Chargers. That's 21. That's, that's another one I've seen. I mean, it would, you know, it's, it's based on the, the rumors that Eckler wants a trade. So, I mean, hypothetically speaking, if Eckler was gone and Bijan went there, I mean, that's a, that's a smash for me. That might be my favorite landing spot with a young star, star quarterback. Um, you know I mean? And, and, and Eckler, you know, it's, it's been a little bizarre, you know, their model for the way they use their running backs is a little different. They've, always led the league the last like four or five years ever whenever Eckler's healthy and like running back target share their running back target share is always at the top it's because of Eckler 
He's not asked to do. He's not asked to do as much on the ground as other perennial top five running backs. It's kind of crazy, what? actually, how well Eckler. I mean, Eckler. God, what a story Eckler is. I love that guy. He's an undrafted dude, small, and he's just like, you know, just God. top five running back. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then they've just like struggled through a bunch of meh RB twos in that can't get more than two and a half yards up the top. Yeah. Um, forgetting the, the other one's names which they're is, not worth yeah, remembering case in point. um so i think that would be i mean I, I, that would be a great landing spot uh dallas dallas is another one that's been thrown out there quite a bit without without zeke and i mean i'm not gonna lie i think as much as i want pollard to just be this big this workhorse that's that's not what dallas has told us um you know dallas has not used tony pollard like that you know he's always you know he's 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 I don't think he's ever been above a 50% running back rush share with them. And I don't think they're going to change that up, you know? So, cause I, what I forecast for Dallas, you know, they are a team that possibly could get Bajan if he's still there. If they don't, I think they're a likely team to pick one of these other, you know, bigger, more two down backs that are in this pool um, a little bit later in the draft, like Charbonnet or, um, who are some of the others, you know, that that's, that's a direction they could go. I think if they don't get Bichon. Charbonnet, Bigsby, I think are both heavily mocked. Yeah. Bigsby, that was the other well. one. Um, right yeah. I mean, that's, I think the hottest landing spot for Bijan, the hottest take is probably that Atlanta at eight, if not Philly at 10. And it's not, it's a combination of obviously the height of the pick being a top 10, but also <laughs> the polarizing landing spots, as we both mentioned. Um, with that said, I think my favorite spot, and, and you you hit it on the head, you got to it before I did, is the Chargers at 21. He's not making it out of the first round. I guarantee you that. I and I so. mean, if he gets to the point that Kansas City or the Bengals or are, are, are Philly with their other first round pick or staring him in the face again at the back end of the draft like he will not make it out of the first round with that said i think i have a pretty hot take for a landing spot that is both positive and unexpected especially now that the trade has went through and i think this might have been a hitch as to why the trade wasn't going through and maybe they were waiting for a little bit more info to see who was drafting i think jsn's going to the jets at 13. I think that's I think that's the spot. I think that's the hot take spot for JSN. I think Gibbs to the Chiefs makes so much sense. Why wouldn't yeah. you want a supercharged Jarek McKinnon? Like, yeah, I like <laughs> um, I like that one. So I think that one makes a lot of sense. Bijan's the biggest question mark for me, in all honesty, out of all of them. Because f- for me, if 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 JSN is probably going to go in that top 15, it's positive landing spots for him all over the place. In my opinion, in that top 15, everybody needs receiver help in that area. There's lots of quarterback questions, but obviously again, we're told to trust the talent. I think you can with JSN for sure. That's why I think that jets at 13 is probably a really hot spot. It'd be interesting to see them, him make it past Chicago and some of these other teams, but yeah. Um, Gibbs, if he gets first round, it's probably going to be back end. So you're thinking Cincy yeah. or Kansas City. Yep, but Cincy the other one, I, I think you kind of mentioned it already, and, and as did I, Kansas City or Miami for Jameer Gibbs seems to make a whole lot of sense to me in that 40 to 52 range. Yeah. I mean, the other, I mean, just to round off Bijan, you know, Buffalo has been a rumored team. They always are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they always are. I don't know how I feel about that one, though. It's just because at a certain point, the history shows running backs, and I mean, they, they've never had a Bijan Robinson, so, you know, don't hate him. But it hasn't been shown. It's a little bit similar to Jalen Hurts. It just hasn't been shown to produce these massive workload running backs. Um, 
and they got James Cook. So we'll see. One that I like, I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know what's happening with Mixon. He's the charges that were dropped have been reintroduced. Um, it's misdemeanor right. charge. So I don't know if there's any kind of suspension coming. His dead cat money is like five million, I think less than it's his not, cat. It's not hit or, crazy. Yeah, it, it, his dead cat money. It, he could be, you know, one of the. He could be somebody that's cut. And let's just. I mean, even if that doesn't happen, that wouldn't that wouldn't disclude this, the Bengals taking Bijan at twenty eight. Um, but if it did, I mean, that is another to me ideal scenario. Is would be Bijan taking the place of Mixon in Cincinnati. Um, because obviously that's a team on the rise, you know, Orlando, they just, they just signed a top level offensive lineman. You know, they're, they're the days of, you remember the memes where it's like, you have Burrow and then you have no one. Yeah. Yeah. Incomplete pass. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like Burrow. Is it, or what's the offensive tackles name that they just signed? Orlando Brown. Uh, Orlando Brown. I kept wanting to say Orlando Bloom, but that's, that's not the right guy. No. Um, so with, with him and then Chase catching the ball, you know what I mean? So, I mean, that's just a team team on the rise. One of the most exciting, best offenses in the game. And, and, and then Mixon, and, while he was there, had a very healthy, like career years, career yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, Mixon for all the, the hate, I mean, he wasn't a very effective runner, but he had like a 15% target share last year. Yeah. Like he was involved, like Bijan and that offense would go ham. I just don't think he's still going to be there at 28. That, yeah, that that's going to be the issue for sure. If they want it, they might have to move up. I think as well with the Cowboys, if they want it, they might have to move up. For me, kind of rounding out favorite landing spots and, and kind of hot takes for landing spots is I don't think Quentin Johnson gets it in the first round. I don't oh, think wow. he's a first round wide receiver prospect. And I think the NFL agrees with me. That's my okay. hot take. I think he goes real early second, which kind of just benefits some of those teams that were in the first. They can go defense and then hope, you know, which that also leaves that space for, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is I think Quentin Johnson is much closer to Josh Downs and Zay Flowers than he is to Jordan Addison or JSN. Um, other, obviously, my favorite probably landing spot, I think, with just it might be a little bit of a slower regression. I'm going to mention this team again, but I love the quarterback that much. Jordan Addison to the Chargers as Keenan Allen's eventual replacement and just continuing that run of incredible slot production that they've had for literally well over a decade is I think that makes so much sense for them. And the Chargers are historically a team and you've seen them try to do it with these mediocre running back prospects, um, knowing you know, Eckler's career arc, but they are historically a team that try to backlog talent. Um, they did it with Mike Williams as well, obviously a little bit with Josh Palmer. Um, so I, I think that would be an incredible landing spot for Jordan Addison's full career arc, but a little bit of a disappointment maybe for his rookie season production. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't really have any problem with that Quentin Johnston take. He's one of those receivers that he just kind of scares me. It's like when I do my, you know, rudimentary, rank you know draft prospect rankings you know i'm not, i'm pretty normal with it to start with i'm jsn jordan addison but then i like i kind of just have a spot that's there for him just because that seems like where he's going but then i start looking at zay flowers and josh downs um and some of these other guys and i'm like do i put him before or after them but i could i could see it i mean it's that that, that is one thing he's the type of he he's the exact type of receiver where analytically there's red flags athletically there's a monster ceiling um but he's you know seen as being pretty raw you know not a, not a super diverse route tree 
Um, but it's it's always hard to tell because the NFL loves those big athletic receivers. Love them. You know what I mean? So, but is he going to go the way of, you know, a first rounder or is he going to go the way of, I mean, somebody he's actually been caught to a little bit, or is he going to go in the second, like Christian Watson or DK Metcalf? You know, is he going to, is he going to be one of those guys that falls to the second round? We'll see. Which he is likely based for me personally, based on where he would, even, even with this fluctuation, what is he the third, fourth, fifth receiver off the board? He is a guy I will end up with absolutely no shares of. I, I was. I'm not going to be willing to I, take him where he's going to go. Yeah, and, which, and I, I guess tells the story of my rankings. Like, right. That's <laughs> over him. So I guess maybe yeah, I, I think he's kind that. of in a tier of his own in that sense, where he has intangible upside. That I mean, I, I mean, it's calculated. The the upside is there. There are certain things that he's really positive in, and in kind of you could quote unquote elite in. But the red flags are also they're rearing their ugly head. They are not hiding by any means. You don't have to dive very deep into his profile from a film or analytic perspective to see that there's some issues there. With that said, again, that if you're going to make that bet, it's for that upside. It's not mm-hmm. for the safety of that pick at 107, 108. Um, and that's mm-hmm. why I have him a little bit behind these other guys that are more analytically rounded as well. So I don't think it's actually that much of a hot take. And again, if he gets that draft capital, it's certainly not a death knell. Like if he's picked 40th, it, it doesn't ruin no. his profile. But I don't yeah. think he was ever going to get the Drake London draft capital where you can ignore the red flags. Once Drake London was drafted in the top 10, it was like, oh, who cares about the drops and contested catch percentage? Because every single top 10 wide receiver that had a freshman breakout like that, that is 6'3 and 215 pounds, has had multiple wide receiver one seasons, literally all of them. So when you're talking about making positive bets, Quinton Johnson isn't going to get the draft capital that makes those red flags go away. Yeah. No, it's interesting you bring up Drake London. I remember I was arguing in a, in a Twitter chat about Drake London last year. I made the mistake of saying, but he, but he's a first rounder without qualifying it. And I got ripped to shreds with all the, oh, somebody so-and-so called, you know, all the different first round receivers that have been busted. The John Rosses, okay. the Henry Ruggs. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Listen, if you add in, you know, a fair amount of actual metrics that Drake London possesses, it's a, this is a really good thing for Drake London. And if Atlanta hadn't been like allergic to throwing the football last year, he would have I mean, had a much better season. He started off huge. I mean, he, he still he, he had he he still for a rookie he had great uh, peripherals. He had great mm-hmm. peripheral peripheral statistics. It's just it didn't translate into a lot of fantasy success because there wasn't enough volume. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the third highest rookie target share in the history of the NFL. The, the guy yeah, is an yeah. absolute baller. And I understand you can start arguing volume, but uh, I would argue that even on 25 pass attempts per game or whatever Atlanta capped out at, that over a 17-game season, that's a large enough sample size to say that Drake London is a legit baller. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, a little slightly off topic, but I, I do think that Quentin Johnson is probably, or Drake London rather, is probably Quentin Johnson's highest ceiling comps. And what made that profile so positive where you could, you know, stamp your seal of approval on it and say, this is a top five rookie pick regardless of format. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to do with Quentin Johnson or, I mean, for that matter, like Josh Downs is a very, very impressive analytic profile. I think he's more of a second round, third round guy, even uh, say Flowers, a lot of first round talk. Again, I think there's only two 
first round running backs and two first round receivers. That's a prediction I will plant my flag on. It's Jordan Addison, JSN, Bijan, and Gibbs. And Gibbs, obviously, as we've mentioned many a times, is probably closer to that Miami range or, or that that um, Saints range in that forty to to fifty. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I mean, for me, the what what I think could be a surprise for for all for for people like you and me with, with the first round receivers is um i do think there's a chance quinn goes in the first round just because yeah. of that oh for sure i could be and very then, wrong <laughs> these are bold. And then, i mean <laughs> there could be you know a team could see zay flowers higher than we do so he, he's got a chance and then the other guy just because we've seen it before we saw henry rubs go as the first hyatt. quarterback wide receiver off the board that year is jalen hyatt yep that speed could 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 catapult him into the first round and again that's that whole like well the nf you know and if an NFL team looks looks and they're like, this is our only chance to get this guy, and you know we're not looking at fantasy football because somebody like Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt isn't one of my favorite receivers from a fantasy standpoint, mm-hmm. but I understand the value of that to an NFL team. Yes. So, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to knock it. Like, but know, I would, that is that is a place where you can be like, well, okay, fantasy people, shut up. We want this guy that can stretch the field. You yeah. Know? But this is when it really breaks into that fantasy theory where, you know, fantasy, what it's ultimately trying to do is value production and elongated production will insulate value over time and dynasty. That's pretty obvious. Right. But that's why there's that weird divide that I don't think should exist in the first place in the NFL. And I guess I would obviously have to quantify it and do a little bit more studies. But is it more valuable to have a guy that can take safeties 40 yards in a straight line, but never, you know, um, earn targets or never put up major production or is it more valuable to have a Justin Jefferson who runs a four five four be able to cut routes at anywhere on the field mm-hmm. but not necessarily ever get a target over 20 yards like so you know that's and obviously Justin Jefferson again a first round draft pick but who went right ahead of him <laughs> I know who it was yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jalen like Rager. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and for what exact reason is he had incredible speed, size and athleticism. Um, going to not helmet scout a bit, but it's really weird how close Jalen Rager and Quentin Johnson are yeah. analytically as prospects. They got a lot of that 2.9 receiving yards per team pass attempt and 0.03 receiving yards per team play. Why are they handing the ball off to Kendry Miller so much if Quentin Johnson's a better prospect? <laughs> like, I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah, it's a legitimate question. I am yeah. going to helmet Scott a little bit and say JSN is going to be really good. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> there has been a a, and it's going to last well into 2024 with probably two. I would assume two, definitely into 2025 as well. You're talking about a pipeline of a school in Ohio State that is going to produce no less than five first round NFL wide receivers in a three year span. Yeah. Well, and I still stand by if Paris Campbell hadn't gotten the injury bug early in his career, he'd be. He'd be up. He'd be Paris he'd be Campbell, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel as well with the injury bug. Obviously, Michael Curtis Thomas. Samuel, a dynamic player. Michael Thomas, like it's it's Ohio State. You're allowed to, to be like, crazy. oh, those receivers are going to do well. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it's a pretty impressive pipeline. We're getting kind of close to that end, but I want to hear your hottest or even like give me one best worst or your hottest take. Like who's going to be the best QB in the worst QB of this class? Who's going to be the best wide receiver? Give me your hottest best. In okay. Worst. First I want to start with Anthony Richardson because hot topic. Yes. So here's, you know, there's, I think as a, as a person that needs to be objective when it comes to analysis, 
you know, I, 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 let's put it this way. I give my best effort to be as objective as possible. There's no way I'm biased is going to stay out of it. Sometimes take lock. I'm, I'm guilty of it. Sometimes I decide I don't like somebody like Will Levis and, you know, I I might take a little while. It ends up being good to convince me anyway. So there's that side of me. And then there's the Homer, the Seahawks fan side of me. A lot of, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of the, the top, the, the top five picks are going to be a lot of fun, I think, in this draft. Um, a lot of people think Richardson, the Seahawks, in the Seahawks world, that's a little bit too risky, raw quarterback. I personally would love it so much if the Seahawks took Anthony Richardson, at, if he's still there, at the fifth overall. I would love it. Um, and the way I look at it is, like, there is a lot of risk. And it's the first top five pick they've had in, like, 15 years. And, oh, what if you blow it and he ends up being nothing? But you know what? At the same time, like this planet could be gone in five years. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> the Kyle Shanahan answer. I don't even know if he'll be alive on we'll Sunday. See, we'll see what happens. But like, if he does hit, think about how much fun that dude is going to be to watch in the NFL. So I think he'll go top. I think he will go top five, and I think he deserves to go top five just because of that ceiling. I'm not sitting here saying he's ready to play yet, but like, there's been plenty of people that have have been drafted and not played their first year. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, there it's a little bit scattered, but Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes are two examples of no. There's you know, quarterbacks that were Trevor taken. Warren. I mean, yeah, they didn't really. Because <laughs> well, I mean, whatever they were doing I down think, the Jacksonville, was not Jacksonville 2021 was a fever dream for all of us. But, yeah, exactly. It uh, didn't exist. It didn't really happen. Yeah, it was a, it was a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, 100. Uh, percent So, so that's not necessarily really a hot take. I just wanted to give a little pitch. I think let that's the actually pretty nice. Come out and. Tell everybody how excited I will be if that's the way it falls. And it's one of the, you know, I don't, I'm not a better. I don't know the odds necessarily what's going on with these picks, but I know that's at least one potential landing spot for Mr. Richardson. Um, let's see. Best. I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a big QB. Like I focus a lot on running backs and wide receivers in my Me analysis. Too. I do. I also do. And I look for, I look for similar useful um, and sticky and, uh, metrics with signal, as they say, um, with tight ends and quarterbacks. I'm not going to ignore it. Plus, it's just like there's a whole data set out there. Why would I ignore it? Like, I yeah. can dive into it and build it. Like, why would I ignore that? But um, I I don't think Will Levis is going to be a successful NFL quarterback. I, like um, I don't think he should go. I mean, I've seen, I've seen now with all this nonsense around C.J. Stroud, same thing that happened to Justin Fields, like similar things, just like – you know, it's like Hillary's emails getting leaked right before the election. It's like, I if Stroud if Stroud gets passed on and and Levis goes too, I mean, God help that team. You know, whether it's Houston <laughs> yes. or whether it's a trade, I just I don't see it. I just don't see it. And I mean, it's not just about the mayonnaise and the eating bananas and stuff. I mean, there are personality <laughs> red flags. He just I don't can't necessarily judge somebody through a through a TV screen, but he comes off as the kind of guy I wouldn't really be that into. You know, like pretty, pretty full of himself, all that kind of stuff. And again, I'm kind of doing to him what people are doing to Stroud. So I'm going to walk it back a little bit. But I just, I just don't think, I mean, he's got a rocket arm and he's big and he's strong. I just, but I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see a top 10 quarterback with Will Levis. Not so, and I mean, that's again, that's also, he's a somewhat polarizing guy too. You know, there's a, there's a developing Levis hive and then there's a Levis haters because that's the terminology we use haters and hive, but you know what I mean? Um, so I'm 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 on the side that I, I just I don't see it. So if he goes top ten, you know I think it's a mistake. Um, running back. So 
A running back I dove into a little bit, another polarizing running back that, man, could go in the second round, could go in the sixth, is Zach Evans out of Old Miss. There we go. You know, um, so I, I wrote up a rookie profile for IDT on him, so that you know, kind of forced me to get a little bit more in the weeds on him. And it is, it's a, it's a prickly path with that guy. Um, mm-hmm. He's got some things you really like, but then there's also some very bright red flags. Um, my take on him is, you know, he doesn't have the greatest college profile, especially. I mean, he came, he came out of, he came out of high school, like the greatest the running back. I mean, he, he, he was everybody wanted Zach Evans. You know, he Zach was, Evans out of high school was arguably like the greatest running back, high school running back prospect we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's unfortunate it went the way it did. I don't know what happened behind the scenes why he ended up transferring. You know. Um, he did. He did get outplayed. Uh, like Quinshawn Judkins. Yeah, by a freshman this this past season. People like to say he a lost his job. What's that? Quinshawn's only a three-star recruit too. Like he wasn't really yeah, on anybody's man. I'm curious to ask the Debbie guys about that dude. Like, because he smashed this year. Like, yeah, I mean, I only saw it because I was researching. Evans. I got to toot my own horn a little bit, but I did get 100% exposure just because I was like, look, if he got outplayed by Kendra Miller and is now transferring to the S like Ole Miss where the SEC schedule is even tougher. I was like, there's a good chance that this freshman kid just wipes Zach Evans off the face of the planet. And well, that was a good bet that I made. And I know yeah, nothing it, about Debbie, but it was literally just a name on a depth chart that I was like, there's a good chance that this happens again. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Evans has the talent, you know, I think the talent is there. Um, I think he could, you know, but that's the problem. It's like, I think he, I think it might be there. I think he could be this. It's potentially this, you know, it's just, there's, there's really not a lot to go on because of what mm-hmm. he went through in college. I mean, he did, you know, when he played, he played well the year he played uh, before Kendra Miller and Kendra Miller took over cause he got, he got hurt. hurt right. right yeah. And then I was talking to somebody about that, you know, cause a lot of people are like, Oh, he lost his job. You know, he lost his job twice in college. And I'm like, well, he didn't really lose it. He got, hurt and somebody else took it and then the response to that was well i i see the fact that he transferred means he lost the job. right I, and okay, i mean that's, that that's kind of was the narrative that i was attaching to it a little bit as well yeah yeah so i don't know i it, it could just be i don't know maybe i just developed this weird little liking of him when i was studying him and i want you know i want to i want to see that however many yards he rushed for in college like five thousand yards or something like that yeah uh, or i think it was even more than that Maybe I just want to see him succeed, um, but he's he's one he's kind of an anomaly in, in in this draft to me. Like like I said, I've seen him sixth round, I've seen him second round. Mm-hmm. So my I guess hot take with him, I think it's going to be higher than lower. That's with Zach Evans. I think there's going to be an NFL team that likes him enough to, you know, maybe fourth round, fourth round, maybe maybe third round. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think Zach Evans legitimately might go undrafted. So I'll, I'll match okay. your hot take <laughs> with with that's the fine. other polar. Um, that's fine. That's good. That's 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 good. That's a and it's, it's I a, mean, with that, I think that was a that was a pretty good setup for my last thing before we close this out. One rookie that you can't leave your drafts without, whether you're trading up for him or you're already in the spot for him. One rookie that you have to have this year. Oh man. Um, your Vontae Mack, so to speak. Yeah. Well, my cop out answer is Dude. somebody I'm super, somebody I'm very very high on. It's not going to be a groundbreaking thing, but I really really think he's going to be good as Gibbs. I love it. Um, 
uh, you know, and I mean, he's he's right in that spot. Like, you know, the, there's been a lot of talk about the different, you know, picks one through four. You're in a good spot. Pick four in Superflex is a great spot spot to be. It's because beautiful. you're you're either going to probably get, a get whatever you want, whatever's or left. You're going to get JSN, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then and then once you get to like six, seven, it's like that's not a good place to be. I disagree. I I actually kind of like that area of the draft because I really like both Gibbs. And I also really like Jordan Addison. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's my, I want to leave every draft with Addison. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if you're picking 106, 107, 108 in that general range, it depends on if somebody goes for Levis, you know, it depends I hope on, they do. you know, I'm going to be me personally the, yeah. <laughs> in the drafts where I'm at like 107, I'm going to be sending cards to my, I'm going to be sending messages to my league mates like did you see that catch quentin johnson had in that one game (laughs) (laughs) facts me too you know what i mean because in that range i think whether you end up with the jordan addison you know gibbs um i mean even a little bit you know in that same general general uh spot as a flowers i think those are those are some pretty pretty good you know relatively speaking if you're you look past again i haven't done this either but if you look back at all the last five graphs or whatever, the 106 to 109 range and who, who went, I think Jordan Addison and Jameer Gibbs being in that pool potentially, I mean, Gibbs could be gone. Gibbs could be gone by five or six, but if he's in that pool, well, like it's a that's, good pool. that's pretty solid. I mean, you yeah, know, there's been a lot of talk sure. about, Oh, the 23 class was seen as this, this, this juggernaut class. And then we, now we're here and I everybody that, wants to trade away their picks. And it's like, it happens every year. A, it's every year. This is a good class. Like people, yeah, I think yeah. people are a little uh, over. It's more of a they've overcorrected with um, kind of fading this wide receiver class mm-hmm. um, in general. I think people have gotten too used to Jamar Chase and just, Justin Jefferson coming out and just like lighting the world on fire. Um, but I mean, you know, you got to remember Justin Jefferson was not seen as this like top end. Jalen Rager was going ahead of him everywhere. Yeah, when he came out. So I think, I mean, running back, the running back class is deep. Wide receiver class, okay, maybe it's not quite up to what it's been. Maybe JSN isn't like the best wide receiver one prospect. But I honestly, I really, I did, I last week wrote up JSN. And he had been written up so many times that I just was like, I got to figure out a different route here. I want to look at different stuff than what's been looked at. And so I, I got down in the weeds with his A dot and his yards after catch and who he, you know, he was like, as far as yards after catch, there's like a top 10 list. And in that top 10 list in this class, yards after catch, the average slot rate was 17% and he was 88%. And he still was the top 10 in yards, yeah. yards after the catch. Um, so, you know, stuff like that, just like trying to, trying to shoot down the slot rate knock, you know, th- that kind of thing. So, I don't know, man. I, th- I really like this. I really like this class. Um, Me too. I like the top end. I like the top three QBs a lot. Um, B- I mean, Bijan, I can't wait to watch that dude play in the NFL. I can't wait to watch yeah. him play in the NFL. So well, shout out what else you're working on while we wrap this up. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm with in between media, been with them for a while. So I write a regular column series in the regular season. It's biweekly. Now it's, I think once a month or so called the Mondays. So much like the other articles at IBT, it kind of combines life anecdotal, basically me just kind of talking about the stuff I've been through and offering any advice I can. Then, you know, 
as, as well as I can segue into fantasy football discussions of various topics. So I have that, and then I have a silly YouTube series called Pulp Fantasy with my good friend Ariel uh, at Trash Sandwiches on Twitter. Um, we've been, she joined me, uh, it's been, I don't know, about 10 months. I did it solo for a couple of years, and then she joined me, and it's just been a blast. She's great. So much fun. So I do yeah. that, um, and then I, I'm a co-host on the IBT Fantasy Football Podcast. We have a lot of fun. And then, yeah, I work over, I write for Fantasy Data. I write a regular series called Beneath the Surface, Fantasy Football Beneath the Surface. And yeah, man, I was blown away that that got nominated for. A, it was well deserved, my friend. I like it was funny because I was just like it was one of those things where I was so just like holy crap, I can't believe I was even nominated. But then the day of the announcing, I was like, dude, I want to win this really badly. Yeah, of course. <laughs> You're competitive, man. Yeah. So, um, so I write that, and so that I mean that it's I, hats off to to Fantasy Data. They they basically allowed me to start writing this article where I just choose this is my biggest outlet for um, diving down rabbit holes and trying to present it to people in a useful, actionable and understandable way. That's not a Twitter thread. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, a, and the fact that I wrote one of those every week during the season, I still don't know how I did it, but nowadays I'm writing one or two a month and the topics vary. Uh, they're, you know, I try and just pick something that, you know, I'm hoping is interesting, but isn't a really well-known topic. That's kind of what I go for. But I really just like dig into the numbers um, and try and unearth stuff out of them. So been writing that for a while. And then I also have a Patreon, Lender Difflin Patreon. Most of the stuff I put on there is free. But basically anything I post on Twitter, a lot of the stuff I put into my fantasy data articles, you know, all I summarize it all in the articles and on Twitter, but all the raw data, all the spreadsheets, everything that goes into it, I just put it on my Patreon. People want to go check it out. So I have that as well. Oh, you definitely got to go check out his stuff. We really appreciate having you on, man. This has been so much fun. We ran a little bit over, but I couldn't. Sorry about that. I get, I I get talking to you. No, <laughs> I, I'm guilty. Like I, I'm a good ranter as well. Yeah. And if you want more of these rants and more of this information and more of this content, please consider going over to patreon.com slash proto fantasy you can subscribe for as little as three dollars a month you get access to an extra podcast a week waiver rankings the dfs optimizer in season we do betting content all season throughout the discord in there whether it be major league baseball basketball all of that stuff obviously nba playoffs kicking off right now um and you can follow me at psychord ff please go to at proto fantasy at Proto FFJ, at Proto FF Mike, at Proto FF Tim. We got the whole army at Proto FF Casanova, who is our data analyst, cooking up all of the hot comps and draft content for you guys. Much love, much respect. Thanks for tuning in.